he'd come from Triple M in Brisbane. He didn't know anything about pop music. And the second night he had hung up on Victoria Beckham twice because he didn't know how to operate the phones. And I'm tearing my hair out with this guy thinking, how's this been allowed to happen? Then I remember just saying, look, I don't know how much longer we're going to give this, but I don't think this is going to work. And the next night, Kyle just, I don't know what he went home and did. I think he knew in his head, I'm not nailing this and I'm not delivering what I need to deliver. And he just came back the next night and was amazing and we just gelled and it clicked. And thank God that chemistry didn't happen immediately. It took us about six or eight months to really know that it was great. But it just kept getting better and better. So... Yeah, I'm glad they gave him a chance because, I mean, my life would be very different if it weren't for Kyle. That is Australian radio superstar Jackie O. And this is episode 303 of Better Than Yesterday. Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Washington Ginsburg. This is my podcast. This show just hopes every week to simply help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. Something you hear in the next hour or so will make you go, huh, and maybe reconsider something. Maybe help you go, maybe I'll do this a little differently. And then hopefully by the end of the night, you go, you know what, today... It was better than yesterday. And that's it. If you don't know who I am, that's fine. Welcome. If you're new to the show, I'm Osha Ginsberg. I'm a TV guy from uh, Australia. I'm a podcaster, an author. I have a four-week and three-day-old baby. Yeah. Um, Who I sing to when I change his nappies. And, um, yeah, I have a 15-and-a-half-year-old stepdaughter and an incredible wife. And, yeah, I live in Sydney, Australia. And what else about me? And I just ate a really nice date. There you go. Um, if you like the show, there are 302 other episodes for you to go and explore. Thank you, as always, to everyone that rated and reviewed the show on iTunes. That really, really helps us. Uh, between that and telling another person about the show, that's really the best thing it could possibly do for us. Thank you very much to Chloe, who wrote a lovely um, review, compassionate and thoughtful. Osha has interesting guests and not only gives people the space they need to share what they need, but is vulnerable enough to get them to feel totally comfortable with him, which makes for a compelling interview. Thank you for always sharing your mental health journey. It's so important. Helps so many of us walking a similar path. Um, And thank you very much to Lisa, who wrote, thank you for every podcast you make and the extra special one with Audrey. I cried at the end. That newborn audio. Keep doing what you do. Yeah. Episode 300. If you want to go back and listen to that one I did with my wife, Audrey, just after Wolfie was born. Also, a big thank you to everybody that sent through a podsy. It's like a selfie, but it's a picture of what you're looking at right at this very second. You are probably listening to this on a phone, so take a photo of what you're looking at right now. Send it to me. Send us your email at gmail.com. Courtney, camping in Death Valley. Amazing place. I've been there. It's extraordinary. Uh, Cooler than when I was there. Only 43 degrees. Celsius when Courtney was there, which is pretty fantastic. Ingrid uh, enjoying breakfast in Italy, in Rome, at the counter because uh, to eat sitting down at a table cost her double, so she ate standing up. Penny uh, in Hobart at the school pickup listening. Uh, she got to school a bit early to get a good spot in the lineup, and uh, she was listening as her two-year-old had a nap in the back seat. And Karina on a bus crossing a desert in Egypt. Look at that. 
We are all over the place, and that just makes me so very, very happy. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Just shoot a photo of what you're looking at as you're listening right now. Email it to me, sandosheremail at gmail.com. I hope you are doing great. If you went to one of the climate strikes around the nation, around the world this week, well done. You're my hero. I went on a lot of signs, which I was very happy about, because, look, there really is nothing to do but to get into action. There really isn't. We are all compelled to do everything we can every day. There's nothing to do but get into action. Call, write, fax, email your local council, your local government, your state government, your federal government, and just ask. Ask the questions. What plans are you putting in place to protect vulnerable, low-lying communities? What are you doing to protect our food security? What are you doing to protect our water supply? Because these years right now, these are the years to create a legacy, all right? Who's going to build the Sydney Harbour Bridge of the new climate? All right, who's going to build that thing in 100 years that we go, oh, thank goodness someone had the vision to build that? All right, who's it going to be? Write, call, fax, email, do whatever you got to do. Reach out to the people that matter and let them know. The protests, of course, were a massive success and wonderfully exposed the logic of people who deny climate science in a, in a fairly epic way. A news outlet that I won't mention uh, went along to the protest in Sydney, which 100,000 people showed up to which was extraordinary. And so this particular news outlet found one unnamed child that apparently said, oh, I just wanted the day off school. And that was the headline. The one in 100,000 that says something against what the 100,000 say becomes a headline, which is exactly the same logic they use when reporting climate change. 10,000 meteorologists and climate scientists overwhelmingly prove that humans' carbon emissions are causing planetary warming at a terrifying rate. They find one source who says otherwise, and that's the headline. I just, you know, I'm just, just notice. Notice that that's the playbook. That's the move to make because that's part of the MO and getting people to click because it's so outrageous that, you know, there's this humongous crowd of people that all believe one thing and, oh, my God, there was one of them said that. Maybe they're all like that. It's preposterous. But, yeah. Just got to do one thing every day. That's it. And if that one thing is just talk to one person every day about what a 1.5 degree centigrade average global warming would look like, it's not something that might happen. It's something that will happen, is happening, happening right now. And it's important that people need to know what happens if we can't keep it to 1.5 degrees. So every millimetre of sea level that we can stop rising, every tenth of a degree that we can stop warming is a victory. So we've got to work. So talk to the people in your lives who don't care right now. Just let them know. Help them see why you care. Help them see why you care. And I'm sure this thing, it's the same thing happened around, I don't know, women getting the vote 100 years ago or, crikey, even the 1967 referendum, the one that asked Australia. It's extraordinary to believe this even happened, but 52 years ago, Australia had a referendum asking the public if it was right to make laws for Aboriginal Australians and to count them in the census as humans. It seems astonishing, but in the lifetimes of people that you and I know, we as a country were asked this question. I'm going to read it word for word. Do you approve the proposed law for the alteration of the Constitution entitled An Act to Alter the Constitution so as to omit certain words relating to the people of the Aboriginal race in any state so that Aboriginals are to be counted in reckoning the population? So counted as human beings. Like in That was just seven years before I was born. In the lifetime of people that I know, this thing that we look at now and go, I cannot believe that we actually had to ask the population, are you okay with this? Hopefully 50 years from now, 
we'll look back on this moment, this right now in 2019, in equal befuddlement and go, how did we ever think that? How did we ever need to be told, maybe we should do this? So do your best. Try to talk to someone every day. Just do something every day to make sure that you and the people that you care about are on the right side of history. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let me tell you about my guest today. Jackie O is an Australian radio legend. She has been on air nonstop for nearly 25 years, much of that time in an unbeaten number one position with her on-air partner, Carl Sanderlands. The two started working together over 20 years ago and have remained a dominant force in any market that they broadcast into. At times, they've been controversial, yet they've endured as pillars of Australian radio that have proven to destroy any radio team that tries to go up against them. Now, Jackie's story may surprise you if you don't know her path. Today, you'll definitely hear about it. And I can't thank her enough for being so honest, so open, and for sharing such excellent, nerdy, inside radio industry stories that I I couldn't believe. And I thought I knew a bit about how those guys have done what they've done. If you're a radio head, you're going to love this show. If you love her radio show, you're going to love this show. If you've already made up your mind about what kind of person she is, this conversation is going to challenge you. I'm not going to lie. Jackie O can be heard on Kiss FM in Sydney every morning. You'll see her tonight on The Masked Singer at 7.30pm. We debut. Uh, it's Jackie O, Lindsay Lohan, Dave Hughes and Danny Minogue are on the guessing panel and uh, I get to host the show. It's an extraordinarily large amount of fun. I really hope you enjoy it. But yeah, tonight, Masked Singer premieres on Network 10, I think win in regional areas. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is something I'm totally stoked to bring you. Enjoy this conversation with a true legend of Australian broadcasting. This is Jackie O. Thanks for coming in and letting me do this to come in today. It's like, it's essentially late night for you. Yeah, this is like my five o'clock in the afternoon. This is wine time, (laughs) but we should let the people know it's only 11 a.m. Yeah, but, (laughs) but, you know, you start work five hours before everyone gets out of bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when's the alarm go off? Well, the alarm goes off at around 4, 4.30. I hit the snooze button a million times and I leave everything to the last minute. I've literally got it timed to the minute how long I can leave it before I arrive at work at one minute to six. Get out. And we're on air at six. But people have to understand that at this time of day, it's now 11 a.m., yeah. no one goes home. No. You're, all the work you're doing for tomorrow's show is about to happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm busting in on your you actually are. prepping if for tomorrow. Okay, getting, I love you. <laughs> getting, getting you out of that. But just as so people don't you know, get the idea that you know, you just roll into work. You've done all the work for the yeah. next four hours the night before. We do, yes. So we are across everything that's happening the next day. And it gives us the freedom as well to throw things out if something new has popped up, whether it's breaking news or an interesting story, we can change stuff on the fly. Yeah. 
And we're good with doing that because we've been doing it for so long now. So we're comfortable with changing things last minute. But we do like to set it out the, the day before and yeah. plan pretty much every break. Well, yeah. And that's that's what I always tell people. Like if it sounds like if it sounds like a breakfast team or any someone on radio or anyone on television just making it up as they go along, yeah. that's because they've all figured out exactly what's going to happen before it happens. We know what's going to happen and we don't. Because you don't want to plan, over plan. No. I find if you over plan, it really can ruin the spontaneity and, you know, letting it go off track sometimes makes the best radio. But you know in your head what's the beginning, what's the middle and what's the end. And if we don't stick to that, that's fine. But at least we have an idea of where we're going with the segment. The way I'd describe it is the way a, dr- a rally driver drifts into a corner they know they want to get out of the corner. Yep. Here's how fast they're coming into the corner. How far are they going to let the back wheels spin out That's before it. they get the control back and go? Exactly. You know, if you they need just, to get the control back yeah. at some and point. And it's in the balance. That's why it's exciting watching rallies. Like, is he going to fly off the cliff? Yeah. Let's hope not. But yep. that's the exciting well, we've part. We've flown off a few times before. Oh, 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 sure. <laughs> but that's the exciting part. And it's the same with live television and essentially with Masked Singer. That was essentially what we were doing. It was yeah. as live. Yeah. Um, you're like, okay, we have. We know how we're going to get out. Mm-hmm. We know how we're going to get in. We vaguely have an idea of what's going to happen in the middle. Yeah. Let's all go that's and right. just see what happens. In the middle part's the fun part. Yeah. yeah, and you just trust that everybody from uh, yourselves, from the camera people, the lighting people, the audio people, the pyrotechnics people, everyone knows those points you want to hit and just in between, that's where the zing Well, happens. I think that's why it's so, so essential and you would know this being in the industry for as long as I have, that you do have a good team mm. because if you don't, everything unravels. You know, it might just sound like, it's Carl and I on air talking and we're just How many people? doing I'm whatever. Just, but I'm just going to count the yeah. desks behind me. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's at least 10 people, yep. 11 people. And they're the people you can see. Yeah. There's others in production studios yeah. are doing a lot of work. So we trust every one of those people and all of them know exactly what we want and where we would take it and therefore you feel relaxed and comfortable on air and it's a little bit like with the Mars Singer we had such a great crew working with us yeah. and all of them were just the top of the game yeah. so everything felt like seamless and you just knew you could trust them I should point out like we are in your studio which is in in Sydney this is the Kiss FM studio it's in the middle of some giant kind of corporate industrial park which is probably all a farm 50 years ago yeah well not even I remember when I was at Today FM and we were we knew we were going to make the move here and I looked up the address on Google Maps and did the street view and was horrified. I was like, oh, my God, this is an industrial area. There's nothing around. We were in World Square in the middle of the city. Everything was there at our fingertips. And so I remember looking at – and there was nothing around here. But now in the in the last five years, look at it. It's almost like we've got another city out here. Yeah, I mean, things are going up left, right and centre. So it's kind of fun coming out here where, you know, it's, it's further than what I'm used to. But we have a really good team here. I don't know. There's something about – the people, you know what? When we worked um, at Bondi Junction in the early days of Today FM, yes, we had a great view, but the actual offices were a bit run down and everyone was in their little kind of rooms. And then we moved to this shiny brand new studio and it was so huge and everything was open plan and, and, and amazing. I actually prefer the dingy little rooms because I feel like you get a better kind of chemistry going with the team when it's too open plan and modern. It just lost, it lost that chemistry 
I don't know, that sort of tight knit feel you have. And here, as much as I want to move and I'd love to go to a new studio, I kind of like what we have going on here. It's fun. We've got a great team. I was know? talking with, uh, on my show not too long ago, I had Peter Madison, the guy from Grand Designs yeah. on the show, and we talked a lot about how a space can change mm. how you react and interact with others. Oh, and I, I yeah. couldn't agree with you more. We found that out when we did those Channel V live shows, yeah. um, we were often just sitting up in the middle of a field. So we had the choice of like, how do we want the people to stand? And we started doing experiments with which way you park the trucks and like, we found that if we kept the people in a more compact mm-hmm. area, yep. the vibe was just so much more there. And I totally get what you're saying. Architecturally, what you've got is you've got your tight-knit team it's, in this really compact space. There's no space out there, as no. you can see. We're all on top of each other. But for some reason, it works yeah. m- much better than if we were in a fancy, you know, modern office space that's open plan. I can't tell you how much of a difference that made when we moved from the old two-day studios to the new ones that bond, that tight-knit family unit you feel just gets a bit lost. It's just a different feel altogether. I, I I agree. There's lots to be said for not having an open plan office. I yeah, always I always struggled in them. Yeah, I always struggled in them. Yeah. Channel V had one. They're and soulless, I, I think. I struggled a bit. Yeah. And I get why you want to do it. Yeah. But you, I you want to be inclusive, but yeah. it just doesn't quite work, I don't think. This studio is beautiful. It's bespoke. It was made for you. Mm. Do you remember the first radio studio you went into? Oh God, that's a good question. It would have been no, it would have been Maybe CFM on the Gold Coast. Yeah. The old building on Southport? Yes. Is it still there? I don't know. It might be still there. I don't know if it's still there, actually. I haven't been back for a while. But I do remember working in little places. When I say little, not as regional as some people in radio have worked, but I've been in Canberra and then I moved to Adelaide. Did Triple M there. And I do remember one weekend coming to Sydney and going to the Triple M studios. I'm not sure where they were located, but I just remember they had city views and it was nighttime. And I just remember thinking, never in my wildest dreams will will I work in Sydney because I just didn't even think that was possible. And I always look back at that moment and sort of pinch myself and go, funny, I could have told myself, this is what's in store for you in the next, you know, five, ten years. I would never have believed it. I was just happy to be working in Adelaide doing little bits and pieces on the air. So how, you know, times have changed. And that really, I just remember that moment thinking, wow, this is the big time. How how did you get the job in at CFM? How did you start working there? I didn't work at CFM at all. So I'd met Phil and we, so I rang in for a competition and he said to me, come in and pick up the tickets. He must've been doing the old pickup line, right? (laughs) The nineties, it was a different time. It was such a different time. time. It was totally acceptable to pick up the listeners. Um, So I was a listener and, you know, Phil wasn't actually even meant to be working that shift. He was the air conditioner at CFM had broken. And so he was working the daytime shift for some reason. I don't, I can't remember why. And he answered the phone and he would never usually because he was doing night shows and I never listened at night. So for some reason we got chatting and hit it off on the phone and he said, come in, I'll give you a tour of the station. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he had all the moves and I was like, wow, oh my God, it's CFM, I get to do a tour of the station. So I was so excited. What were you doing on the Gold Coast at the time? I was working in real estate. So, <laughs> like, what? What in what capacity? So, I was just doing up all the contracts when a house sold. I was responsible for doing the contracts. Whoa. Yeah. And where were you living on the Goldie? Uh, so, I was still living at home at that point in Which Southport. Suburb? In Southport, yeah, oh, so real close. 
Really close. Right. And um, yeah, so I went in and did a little tour and I can't remember what happened after that. He must have asked me out on a date and then we just started dating. Wow. And then very quickly into that relationship, he got transferred to Canberra and it was that kind of thing where you go, oh, I don't know if we're there yet, but I decided to go, you know what, let's have an adventure and see what happens. How old were you? I would have been just 18. Wow. Yeah. Well, good, hey, good on you for yeah. working at that age. So many people wouldn't yeah. have even had a job, yeah. let alone a job where they're doing yeah. contracts in a real estate agency. Oh, well, I didn't even go to year 12, Osha, so <laughs> <laughs> I ended up working in a real estate What agency. happened? What happened in high school that you went, I'm out? Uh, you know, on every report card, the teacher said that she could be a great student, but she talks too much. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's right, motherfucker. I know. <laughs> and I now get paid for it. That's right. <laughs> Number one. It. it was meant to be. And I think my parents just gave up in the end and thought, oh, there's just, I couldn't, I just, for me, there was more fun to be had than just being quiet in a classroom. Yeah. Look, I look back and I think I should have learned more. I should have done this. But I have no regrets. I think, you know, you're destined for your path in life and I never regret anything. And I just think everything happens for a reason. So, yeah, I never finished year 12. And how were your decided, parents about – how was the conversation about I'm not going back? Oh, they knew. They they were like, you know what? Whatever you want to do, we give up now. Yeah. I, I really think they just knew it was pointless. Yeah. You know? Um, well, good on them for not, you know, yeah, trying to crowbar never, you in. No, nah, they've never put pressure on me in any way like that. So they've always been really good um, and supportive. So, yeah. And, you know, even just to let your 18-year-old daughter go off to Canberra with some radio DJ that's 10 years older than her – you know, I like that in itself. A lot of parents might have an issue with, but they were again supportive, and um, yeah. So, so Gold, Gold Coast, went. Gold Coast in the '90s. I remember I was a roadie at the time, and I remember being down there. It was an exciting place. Yeah, you know, there was some. You know, Brisbane was still pretty. Everything shuts early. Yeah, kind of joint, and the Goldie was just on party town, mm -hmm. and an ex totally. it just turned eighteen. Yep. Suddenly, it's you know the, the keys to the city. Yep, away you go, and now you're in Canberra. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to remember, I was um, I started partying at like thirteen. I was going to clubs at thirteen. Oh my god! How they let me in, Osha, I have no idea. I mean, can you imagine a thirteen year old getting into a club now? I, it just wouldn't – they just turned a blind eye. Well, they had no CCTV back then. There were security guys didn't have – They just know, didn't care. Licensing they, laws were very exactly, different. Exactly. They didn't care. Which and clubs are you going to? I was going to Beach Road, Cocktails and Dreams. Cocktails and Dreams, yeah, my God. I know. And I remember getting in every single weekend and one week the newspaper, the what was the Gold Coast Bulletin? Yeah, the Bulletin, yeah. Came to our school and took some photos in our school uniform and I, for some reason, they picked me to be on the front cover it was just a lifestyle piece and that weekend I went back to the same club and he goes uh-uh I saw you in your school uniform you're not allowed in anymore and I was like far out no I've blown it and he was like if you give me a kiss I'll let you in how I didn't give him a kiss by the way but I did get in still he was like oh go on then I mean how the, the times how they've changed but yeah so going from having all those years I've already had the partying out of my system done all that 18 I felt like I was growing up now and um, going to Canberra yeah it was it wasn't the best place to be I was only there for six months was he doing nights 
Yeah, he oh. was doing nights and I was temping and I hated that, you know. Yeah. I was just going to everyone's workplace and filling in for people who were sick. So no one wanted to know about you. You were just the chick that was going to be there for one day. Uh. And so it was a horrible job and Canberra, it was in the middle of winter. So I didn't love that. And then he got a transfer to Adelaide. And then that's when I – that's how I fell into radio. I didn't want to actually be in radio. I had no happened? interest. Well, again, this is so unethical, but uh, <laughs> there was a um, girl that was answering the phones for Phil's show and she must have been only 16 or 17 and she must have written a diary every night. One night she leaves her diary behind and someone in the office reads her diary and in the diary – she's basically shit-canning everybody and saying how much she hates the place and doesn't want to work here. And they let her go. Now, can you imagine what would happen now if that were the case? So she got let go and Phil said, oh, they've let go this girl and she's my phone operator. Can you just come in for tonight and help out until we find someone new? So I did that and then never left. Right. Mm. And so they would say, oh, why don't you do some shout-outs at the end of the show for the people who've been calling through. Uh-huh. So at the end of the show, I'd do, hi, you know, Mary yeah. said, yeah, hi to Mary, hi to so-and-so. And it grew from there. So That's... it was all very, yeah. Yeah, but still, it's, accident it, it's the, I'm assuming that it wasn't humongous pay to go and do that. And oh, I had no pay. Exactly. And then I realised I actually loved the environment of radio. Right. And I just didn't want to work on air still, but I wanted a job behind the scenes. And I wanted to be, I don't know what the job I was applying for. It must have been like a semi-producer or something. Yeah. And I begged the general manager to give me $10,000 a year for that job. And yeah, that's all I got. So it took a while to get a pay rise. But I just knew I loved working in radio. It just was something that the people were like, I mean, I'm come from boring office jobs. Yeah. So it was so exciting and different for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's an exciting, it's an exciting, if you've never been in a radio station, there's something about, I don't know what it is, like, like now that we can amplify our voices beyond the room that we're sitting in through our phones via Instagram or Facebook or Twitter mm-hmm. or TikTok or whatever it is that you're using. Yep. At the time, there was no way to make the things that you said louder unless you worked for a newspaper or you worked on yeah. you know, in some sort of broadcasting. And so here's this magical device, this microphone mm. that you can push a button and thousands, hundreds of thousands, if you're lucky, a million people will hear what you have to say. That's an extraordinarily powerful thing. It is. And it's uh, a scary thing as in terms of it's very addictive. So what I worry about is the day I'm not doing this uh. and how I will cope with that. And I think it would be actually quite a difficult transition. It's sort of like I'm imagining football players who train and do this their whole life and then one day it's just cut off from them, not through their own decision necessarily, or maybe it is, and then they go from all of that to dealing with what else is out there, what else do I do? And I know I would struggle with that and particularly I'm, I'm so used to if something happens in my life or something funny happens or there's any kind of story, you get excited. You know, you've worked in radio. You go, oh, this is going to make a great story for on air. And I, I Half think, my day's work is done. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Thank like, you so oh, much for crashing into me. Yes. I now have a whole hour of work. There's always a silver <laughs> lining no matter what happens. It's all content. Exactly. It's all content and you get excited about a great story yeah. and you can't wait to tell everyone about it. Yeah. 
And then when that goes, it's going to be like, oh, who am I going to tell? I've got no one to tell anymore. I can call a friend. But I think, you know, dealing with that is going to be hard when that day comes. I, th- I don't think that day is going to come without your choice, Jackie. Do you think so? I think you will choose, you will choose the day that you go, that's it, I'm, I'm going to get out of bed a little later. I think you'll choose. Yeah, maybe. Look, I would love that to be the way it, you know, unfolds. I don't know if it will be because I've always been a little bit, not glass half empty. I'm a glass half full kind of person, but I'm also very, I'm a realist and I know what this industry is like and I know it can be taken away from you in a second. Things can happen. And I don't know, something could happen where I'm, I'm cut. That's how I've always been and that's why I've always, in the 20 years I've done this job, have saved my money and never spent it on, you know, anything too extravagant because I know I want to make sure I'm well looked after and I'm prepared for that day when it does happen so it's not a huge shock. Even you, even you at the top of the tower in this country as far as radio is concerned, you still wake up every day going could be could all end tomorrow this survey could be it yeah of course I've always been like that and Carl's the opposite he's he's like I'm spending everything I make as quickly as I make it because I know this is just going to keep going and I'm the complete opposite I've seen it enough to know that could be me one day and if it's not thank thank god it's not but I'm going to make sure that I'm mentally prepared for that day (laughs) (laughs) because I can't imagine anything worse than just being told. And you don't get much notice a lot of the time. No. You are told on the last day, oh, by the way, that was your last show. No, you don't get to say goodbye to your audience. Someone else is going to replace you. Uh, Yeah. You know, Um, that's what happens. It just happened in this market too. It happened two weeks ago in this very market. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We we can talk about that later. Uh, So at what point, so you've gone from the phones, you've gone to shout outs, you've Real estate, I don't know if that was a thing you wanted to do with the rest of your life, but no. when, did you get the, <laughs> when did you get the glimmer of like, you know what? Because you don't get good at something unless you really apply yourself. Yeah. All right? And yeah. as someone who did not do well in high school myself, and you mentioned you left you high school. You didn't? You're like, no, I failed. Um, what? Yeah, I failed high school. I thought you would have been like ducks of the no. class. No, You're very smart. No. Where'd, that, where'd that come from? I, don't, I think I might have been smart in ways that high school didn't test. Perhaps they weren't giving you the information you were interested I, in necessarily. I don't know. I was, I was more interested in other things. Yeah. Um, and, but certainly, yeah. There's, got, there's a point where only hard work can make you better. Absolutely. At what point did you go, this is it, this is what I want, I'm going to do everything I can to be as good as this? I think once I got on air full time and we moved from Adelaide, so I think I was in Adelaide for a year just doing bits and pieces and I started doing O News, but that was the extent of it. And then once we got to Melbourne – we were doing, I think, the National Night Show and that's when I was like, right, we're going to be number one. And I was really, I cared about that show, even though I wasn't on air as much as what Phil was or what I am now with Kyle. The amount of work I put into that show was just ridiculous. And I look back at the things I did to, to try and make a difference. So I'd volunteer to go out in the thunders every day to visit the schools. Then we'd come back and we'd prepare for the show. And then after the show, what I did was I created this database because back then we didn't really have the internet. There wasn't, you know, anything like that. So I created what was called an ugly newsletter for any, any listener that was a fan of the show. And it was like a free magazine that I would make and send out to them every week. 
I don't know why I did that, but I guess I just wanted them to feel special. So I had this huge list of people that wanted it, hundreds and hundreds of people. And I was personally writing this. So I was creating a magazine and then photocopying thousands and thousands of copies (laughs) and sending them all out myself. And I'd be there till three o'clock in the morning doing that. And then I'd wake up the next day and go out to the schools. It was all about connecting with the audience. I knew that was important and as well as giving them good content. And I worked my ass off, you know, I really did. And I enjoyed it. I loved every minute of it. So it wasn't, I wouldn't have been staying back till three in the morning if I didn't love it. And yeah, you do have to work really hard. And it's just, I think with radio, it's about becoming comfortable on air and actually being yourself. And that takes time. I reckon it took me probably about eight years for me to completely not care and feel comfortable in knowing that if anything goes off the rails on air, we can just make light of it and run with it and it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You don't have to cover up mistakes. You can address them on the air. You know, everything should be real and open to your audience and it takes a long time to get there and that's something that I don't know you can necessarily learn in a quick amount of time. I think that comes with experience. But thankfully, I just loved radio so much. I can't imagine doing anything else. So the hard work was easy for me. I don't know about you, but at the time, I remember, because uh, I, I met you for the first time at that old St. Kilda Road building. We were yeah. down there with uh, Andrew Sidwell. We went down to hang out with him one night and you guys were on air and we, we went yeah. in and saw you there. And that was the first time I saw what is now the Jackie, I trademarked the heater under the table. Uh, <laughs> no, poop, no pooch, unfortunately. There no. Was a, yeah, yeah there was the a, pooch a, would be everywhere. Many, many years of dog under the, yeah. under the panel. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I remember at that time in radio, again, not much of an internet, um, we would have tapes of shows from overseas and yep. we would just pour over them. Yeah. Do you remember hearing shows from overseas going, whoa, yes. oh, I want to do that? Do you remember uh, any shows particularly that you would go, fuck, we should do that? Well, obviously Howard Stern. As always, I mean, I've always admired just his style more than anything. Who was the other man cow? Man cow Muller. I remember man cow Muller. Yeah, he was like my second favorite. Mm. We used to listen to man cow a lot. This was because there was no internet. This was really they were they were shared around the network. They were, people would go overseas for conferences and they would tape them off. Yeah, you know, they would actually just go and sit in a hotel room with three tape decks and, yes. and hit record. Yep, and we would get these tapes. And I remember the first time I heard Stern just going, what "Wow, the I fuck know." Is this? It's been forty-seven minutes. There's been no commercial break. Yep. <sighs> what? And he was just so compelling and still is to this day. I mean, he is an incredible broadcaster. And whether you like that style of radio or not, you can't deny that he is made for that job. I mean, he is very, very – he's an intelligent man, very, very funny to listen to and still to this day remains our favourite. Well, that's why he's the best. And, yeah. and the team that he's built around him and – What's wild now is like Baba Booey has his own show. Yeah. Like Baba yeah, Booey. I was, know. Baba They're Booey all was, celebrities. He was the guy that would just answer the door. Yeah. You know? I know. I know. <laughs> Anyone who works on that show is suddenly they get a job doing, yeah, They've their, got their own, own show. Podcast. Artie's got a podcast. Yeah. Well, like everyone's got their own show. And, now. and how fortunate are we now? And I, can't, I, just, I look back and just think, gosh, times have changed so much. The fact that they are able to have podcasts and we mm. are able to access these kind of shows so easily because yeah. back. Back then it was like gold. That one tape of yeah. an air check, we'd call it, was just, you know, let's yeah. share it around. You couldn't get your hands on it like you can now. No, and I remember when I first started working at Channel V, Tim Daly, who now, he's been on the show, he he now runs Country Music Channel, but Tim is a massive hip-hop 
head and huge Howard Stern fan. And he passed me all the, the VHS tapes, like the New Year's Rotten Eve and oh, yeah. all those sort of things. And so you'd see the TV stuff that Howard would do. And you'd be, oh, what? Yeah. What is what is this? I know. It's, and he made his own movie. Do you remember when the movie came out? Private Parts? Yeah. Oh, it was the greatest because oh. it, was, it was like this was my race. This rate. was everyone. <laughs> everyone could relate to pig vomit. And, yeah, yeah it, was, it was just so great. I remember everyone just we all went out and watched that the day it got released. And yeah. Do you, we were yeah, mad and, like, like, like that, and that happened, there was a, there's a scene there, and it certainly happened to me, where he's got this giant stack of carts. Um, yeah. And they all spill down on the floor. And I remember that happened. That absolutely happened to me where there was CDs. Yeah. And they just, everything just clattered onto the floor. And I had 15 seconds left before the song ended. Yeah. And I basically just had to pick one, whatever it was, and yeah. just run into the studio as hard, as fast as I could and just hit play. And then- <laughs> it was, yeah. And remember, I don't know if you remember the splicing. Remember you had oh, to, yeah, I remember the that. Reel, we'd have a reel to reel. It's like an old tape. And we'd literally have to cut it with a with a razor and mm. stick it together in the middle of a song and hope to God that edit made it in time and sounded half decent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there was, was something and I I gotta say there's something about using you know, now we're, we're recording this on digital, uh, you know, hard disk, but there's, there's something about when you're limited by, we've only got this much time to take the phone call, we have to be really careful what we do in the phone call because we don't have enough time to edit it if mm. we fuck up. So yep. it does kind of push you to you're be- a lot more disciplined. A lot more disciplined. Yeah. And yeah. I think those skills are, are important. And like an analog would be photography. If you were lucky, you had 36 shots Make before you count. had to change a role. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now I can shoot 10,000 photos of my phone yep. and pick one. So you can just sit back and relax a bit more because you know, oh, I can take a million of these and get the right shot. Whereas before you had to make it work. You yeah. had to make sure it was a great interview because you didn't have much time and you weren't going to sit there all day editing it. No. Because it was hard to edit. And you you're, were the one that had to do it. Yeah, you had to do yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't just chuck it off to production like you do now. I had something similar with uh, going on with the, at the time with you again is that I was also in a relationship with someone that I was working with. Yeah. She and I, we're, we're still friends. We're not together anymore. But um, there's pros and cons to, yeah. to that, aren't there? I actually look back and don't see too many cons because I think Phil and I were really like-minded and – got on really well and I think just because we were living and breathing work so much it probably was a good thing we didn't really have many fights I mean I don't remember it being too bad to be honest I'm trying to think I remember oh it's funny because we used to have to pretend we weren't together oh yeah you have to yeah Yeah, I remember so we were married I mean we married a year later so I got married at 19 and then we had to move, that's when we moved to Melbourne to do this national night show and the guy hosting the national night show can't be seen to not be single. So we had to pretend that, you know, we were living completely different lives. I mean, how bizarre is that? You just couldn't get away with that now. No. People would out you in a second in so, with social media, but back then there was no social media, so there was really no one to out you and the newspapers didn't really care about radio back then. So we were broadcasting for years and years, pretending that we weren't together. But, yeah, I think for us it, that kind of working relationship was not too bad. You know, yeah. my memory of it wasn't a bad thing at all. And when it all started to come to a close, could you see the that it was ending? Uh, yeah. On, on air. I was talking about the on-air relationship. No, no one would ever have known. Yeah? No. No, I don't. Nothing changed. The only thing that changed... I remember there was one, and Kyle reminds me constantly about it because he said he was listening in Brisbane and the, the segment got passed around to everyone. And I can't remember what happened, but Phil must have said something to me. 
that was a bit nasty and I told him to fuck off on air and there was no censor. And I was just livid because he was being, I don't know what he said. I honestly can't remember, but it was not right. And then that was kind of like the first time we started to see the cracks, but we didn't let it continue uh, for that long. Not that we not let it, but Phil wanted to move to London. And so he moved, I would say, within two, three months of us splitting. So it wasn't like we were on air, you know, for a long time together. And it wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything. We weren't fighting and there wasn't anything bad that happened. So we were still friends. But when you work with someone who, you know, you know you're breaking up with, you both know it's just different. It is, you know, and you have to pretend every night that nothing's changed. Yeah. You can't share it with the audience because they never knew in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I just remembered, I remember seeing him in London. I was on on a work trip. Yeah. 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 He's always had that. You know, kind of love affair with with England. He's, I think, he's. It's been a tug of war for him. Yeah. You know, going back and forth. What was it like, like for you? Because you've been writing this, you know, this massive amount of momentum, and mm. y- you know, obviously, radio is it's always about teams. Yeah. What What was the process as far as well? What are we going to do? Are we going to put a new team on mm. in the night show? Uh, did they yeah. come to you going, we've got some ideas, you know, yes. this person, this person, this person? Yeah, they How did. did. It work? Uh, well, we started auditioning people. So we had someone fill in, Soul Man was filling in until we found a replacement. And we had people come in and audition. Um, I'm trying to think who came in. I think Jabba. Remember Jabba? Whoa. Yeah. I liked Jabba. I thought he was great. Who else was there? God, I wish I could remember some of the did names. Did you know that Rob asked me? No. Yeah, Rob asked me. What happened? Rob came to Channel V to yeah. ask me. Oh, my God. Get out. Yeah, he came. But you he, didn't come and audition, did no, you? No, I didn't. Well, what happened then? I'm working at Channel V. You couldn't because I, you're working no, at Channel No, I was like, v? I'm doing three hours of live television a day yep. right around the country. Oh, my God. It's how the, things could – we could have been paired it's up. It's the best that. ever. And I remember, I remember sitting in the Foxtel lobby going to Rob going, mate, I – I like, can't. That, that is the radio dream gig that I ever wanted. Yeah. And – I kind of am loving television more right now. Oh, and in the end, wow. it turned out it was the right thing to do because, you know, I'm on four primetime TV shows this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it was belong, it really, was the right TV move. But I remember that was that was like the first time. And I remember Rob, um, we're talking about a program director by the name of Rob Logan, yeah. who uh, was quite the, the kingmaker between him and Craig Bruce. They were yeah. just like the, the people that basically dubbed. Yep. Tapped people on the head and they became, you know, yeah, stars. that's it. With a lot of mentorship and work. And um, – I remember the look on his face because they were, you know, they were just like, we're two-day motherfucking FM. And like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's like the kings of the castle. And then I remember telling him no and he's just like. He would have been, like, yeah, he would have been like, what do you mean no? Exactly. Do you know how many people would kill for this job? That's exactly what he said. <laughs> That's exactly what he said in the Foxtel lobby at Piermont. I remember, I remember he oh, said that. Funny. But I was just, I there was know. just something so exciting about. Channel V and something so exciting about television at the time that I'm like, if I go and do radio, I'll never get to do yeah. and see where this goes. Well, I mean, and, you know, again, you listen to your gut and that probably was the right yeah. move because television is so right for you and you've done incredibly well with it. <laughs> I mean, who is on that many shows, you know? So that's interesting. That's the first I've ever right. heard of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that happened. That, abs- that absolutely oh, Rob happened. Rob wouldn't have told me because he wouldn't have wanted me to know that somebody said no. <laughs> uh, it wasn't because of you. No, oh, no, 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 no. 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 
it was just because yeah, just because you were because I also what you were doing. I also know what it is to do a night show. Yeah. I know you know I'd done one in Brisbane, yeah. and I know that's like man, that is like it is your social life is, is with the people you work with. Yeah, it is because that's the only people you see. Absolutely, every when you're not at work, everyone's at work, and then when everyone gets home, you start work, and yeah. you have you're right. That's why people in radio end up just hanging out with each other because we work odd hours. Yeah. And you know they become your friends. You are your your own yeah. community, your own your own community. So when you so Jabs auditioned, and what was it about Kyle that made him different? Well, it was I think we'd gotten to a point where we'd auditioned quite a number of people, and they were great. They just weren't you know when you just know you yeah. know, and I think they just got jack of it and they went screw it. We're bringing in this guy from Brisbane, and he's going straight on air tonight. No audition. This was Jeff Ellis, so <laughs> Janine Ellis's husband. Yeah. And um, Jeff was just like, fucking put him on air, and I don't want to hear about it. Just give him a chance. And he went on air, and, yes, he said the F word, like, as soon as he was on air in the opener, and I, I didn't know he was going to do that. He knew in his head he was going to do that just to shock me. And I thought, oh, God, this guy trying to impress, like rolling my eyes, thinking, oh my God, here we go. Trying to be a shock jock. And then, you know, he didn't, he'd come from Triple M in Brisbane. He didn't know anything about pop music. And when you do the Hot 30 at night, you have to, it's all about the music. You have to know every boy band, every girl band, every pop star there is. And he didn't know any of that. And I just was like, God, it's, this is never going to work. And the second night he had hung up on Victoria Beckham twice because he didn't know how to operate the phones. And I'm tearing my hair out with this guy thinking, how's this been allowed to happen? And then I remember placing a call to Rob Logan, who you were just talking about, and just saying, look, I don't know how much longer we're going to give this, but I don't think this is going to work. And I'm not, I can't remember if he agreed or not. And then the next night, Kyle just, I don't know what he went home and did. And I don't know if he even, I don't think he heard about the phone conversation, but I knew, I think he knew in his head, I'm not nailing this and I'm not delivering what I need to deliver. And he just came back the next night and was amazing and we just gelled and it clicked. And thank God Jeff did give him a shot because, you know, that, 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 that chemistry didn't happen immediately. It took us about six or eight months to really develop it and know that it was great, but it just kept getting better and better. So, yeah, I'm glad they gave him a chance because, I mean, my life would be very different if it weren't for Kyle. Yeah. Mm. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. When a new person comes into the show, 
any radio show, unless it's a show that's been constructed around them, you have to basically, even if the shoes don't fit, you've got to squeeze into them. You've got to inhabit the show that has existed, mm. all right, or the segments that have been there before you got there, yeah. the rhythm of the show, the playlist, as you mentioned, and that can be tough for a little while. At what point did it start to shift and the balance of power? Because when you first arrive, you're like, okay, I'll just do the part that I'm here for. Everyone, this is a team, they know how to do it. At what point did the balance of power start to shift and did he start to... Oh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, He got comfortable, I think, about six to eight months in and that's when I noticed certain staff members were going and things were changing and he just knew in his head what he needed to do to make that show sound right. He knew the team it would take. A couple of people that he'd worked with in Brisbane came to join the team and... You know what? He was right, though, because it wasn't where it needed to be. And he needed to bring his own energy and what he believed was good radio to the table. He couldn't just be a Phil replica because at that point, Phil was really popular. Yeah. And he knew he had big shoes to fill. And at first, a lot of people were like, this guy's a tryhard. He's trying too hard. And so I think Kyle just needed to feel comfortable with the people around him and knowing that the content he was doing was something that would work for both of us not just something that was there before. And I, I would say it was about six six to eight it's months It's a long in. time to have your, someone who thinks this could all be over tomorrow. That's yeah, a lot of surveys. Your, your it's a lot shot. of surveys to go through going, yeah. fuck. It's, Look, it, it, it crept up. I mean, it wasn't just one day everything changed. There were yeah. a few bits and pieces. But I don't think – because Cole was t- intimidated coming to Sydney. He, he, who wouldn't he, be? Yeah. I mean, you look at Cole and you think he's scared at no- of nothing or makes out. Yeah. Nothing intimidates him. He's fearless and he's confident and he walks into any job and feels like he owns the place. Well, he wasn't like that back then, obviously. And he had his insecurities. So I don't think he wanted to step on too many toes at first, but at the same time he knew what he needed to do to make it work for him and I. And what did it take for you to trust that he, when he started to really start suggesting things, you went, man, all right. No, we were pretty like-minded actually. And I think that's what's always made us work. We have the exact same opinion most of the time about what makes good radio and what doesn't. We know immediately if someone says something we're like, yeah, but then this is probably going to happen or this, it's not going to work for this reason. Or if we both hear a bit of audio, we both always think the same. Someone else and the producers might be like, this is amazing. We'll look at each other and go, no, that's shit. And we just, uh, we think exactly the same when it comes to content. And that's been... I think what makes us work, to be honest. And I've always trusted him. I think we really bonded on one particular, that was our first junket to Spain. And that was kind of when we became friends off the air as well. Because up until that point, it was just a working relationship. We weren't hanging out behind the scenes. And after that point, we became really good friends. And, you know, I'd be at his house every weekend. Right. We were, yeah, and you need to do that, I think, to build the relationship. You need it's it's like any great duo, Hamish and Andy. They're great friends. You need that, otherwise, no, no, I don't think it translates. The friendship should be first and foremost. I, I I agree with you entirely, and as someone who's been a part of you know various shows where you know I'm just a, I'm the guy down the line. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard because you're not socialising with people because when you, as a radio, I, I, I really believe that, it, and it's, you know, Husey and Kate are a perfect example. Yeah. 
you've got to have so much unspoken communication between you mm. that exists outside of the studio so that when you're in those magic moments that we spoke about at the very start of this conversation that the autopilot is there between you and yes. the micro expressions and the, the, mm-hmm. the rhythm and the knowledge of what the other person's going to do just kind of subconsciously play out and yeah. you're able to show each other the way to allowing them to be the best that they can be. Yes, that's what it is about. It is absolutely about that and it's about being generous to the other person and making sure that I'm going to say this because I know you'll have a great line to say off the back of that and that'll make a great exit. It's about making the other person look as good as you can and you're right about the little looks you give each other and that's everything because when you're live on air there's there are things that you don't sometimes want to talk about and if they stray down that path you only have I only have to give Kyle this slight glint no one else would see it but it's just a little look to go I don't want to I don't want to go there and he immediately changes topics and he's great like that because he has my back and I've got his you know it might sound like we throw each other under the bus all the time that's all part of the fun of radio, but we only have to give each other a little twinkle in the eye to go, Not we're not going there, buddy, you know? And he's never, ever, ever done anything on air where I've felt betrayed or he's put me in a vulnerable position. Never. And that's so important because, you know, I've been there before where it's happened and you just, you're not... You can't relax. You need to feel comfortable and you need to trust that person. That's you guys really- you guys do walk a bit of a tightrope here. Yeah. I, I did 10 years ago now, I did a month uh, with you filling yes. in for him when he was yanked suspended. off air. Suspended, yep. When he was suspended. What What's it like, you know, when you're in that situation and there's, you know, calamity coming everywhere and your career's under threat? Um, oh, I remember at the time it's just the worst. I think I'm better equipped at dealing with it now. But we hadn't experienced anything like that. I remember the first one, which was the lie detector. That was, you know, horrific. And Kyle and I weren't really that talked about up until that point. That was a real turning point in our careers. And just having news reporters out the front of your house every day, wanting, just wanting blood and... I remember just hiding in my house for days on end and I, you know, it was horrific. I didn't know how to deal with it at all. And it consumes you and you just feel, I can't explain it. And people are printing incorrect stories and you just want to shout out to everyone, this isn't true, this is all wrong, you've got the story wrong. And so my first experience with it was awful and... We got through it eventually. That one took a long time to regain the trust of our listeners and, and, you know, even people who don't listen to us. And then we had another incident. I don't think it was too long after. And that was when you came to fill in. And that was with when he said something about Magda Zabanski. And uh, I just felt like, oh, my God, we, I, I can't get a break here. This is too much. And I was really thinking about quitting because I just didn't think it was worth it. Really? Yeah. I mean, when you're inside that bubble where you feel like the world is against you and everyone hates you, you do start to question, is this worth it? Do I want to live my life like this where just everyone's saying shit about me and stupidly I would read it or – I'd be reading these articles or watching the news and yeah, I definitely had conversations with Leah like, I, can, can I quit? Can we do this without this job? Because I don't want to live this life. This isn't, 
you know, something I signed up for. I signed up for it to entertain, light entertainment. Yes, we, you know, cross the line sometimes a little bit, but we don't cross it to the point where we're in the news every night and Kyle's getting fired off Idol. It was just, there was so much happening. And the knock-on effect from those two incidences were pretty big. And, uh, yeah, I did sort of think about leaving at that point. And I'm glad I didn't because it has, you know, it taught me something and I think it's made me so much stronger. And now I can honestly say that I don't actually get offended by anything anymore when it comes to people on social media. My, my skin has become so thick and that hasn't, that doesn't mean I'm a hard person now. None of that's changed. I'm still the same person, but I don't get affected by what people say about me anymore. And I'm really glad in a way I have experienced that because it's liberating to get to a point where you don't actually care. I mean, I genuinely do laugh at some of the comments people make and you most people think I'm lying. I know a lot of people go, oh, I don't care. It's water off a duck's bag, but really they are bothered by it. But genuinely, I have got to this point now where I don't, I don't care. I mean, I'm sure there could be a comment here and there that might affect me if it was about, you know, what am I as a mother? That's my, any mum's Achilles heel. So that's going to offend me. But if you say to me, oh, she's so vacuous or she's put on weight or she's talentless, none of that bothers me. So that's a good place to be, I think. Did it, did those because I remember when I did, and I wonderfully worked with Danny Minogue as well. And here we are, ten years later, yeah, on my I know, singer, which is I know glorious. Things, yeah, I remember that first week. Um, oh yeah, the whole team, everyone was they were physically trembling. Oh yeah, we were young too, and our team was young, and it was so frightening what had happened. It, yeah, and the because it wasn't just what had happened on air; it was like there's been a fracture in the the moral code of society that is, mm. and you're the ones that did it. You've opened the portal. Nothing, yes. we can never close this gate yeah. and you're the ones that have opened it. Yeah, you're everything that's wrong with our country right now is yeah. what it felt like. Yeah. yeah. And did, it, you, did it change the way that you went about your job? Did it change the way you thought about segments and stuff on it? Oh, yeah, definitely. We're not the same show we were back then. I mean – it might seem like we are, but if you listen to what we did back then, very different to what we are now. I mean, we would do a lot of segments that would get people talking because in radio, a lot of the time you want to make noise. You want people to be talking about your show. If they're not talking about your show, then you're probably not going to do that great in the ratings. And, you know, when I say talk about, I don't mean for scandalous reasons because it can't just be all pushing boundaries. It's got to be light and shade and you've got to make people laugh. It's got to be entertaining. But we no longer feel the need to do those kind of shock segments really anymore. We might have a bit of fun where we do buddies in the bath, but it's it's more about including the person in on it. And if you want to be a part of it, then great, you sign up for it. I think before we do things like interventions on people and that didn't, it was a bit nasty. And we have absolutely changed since then and learned from it. And we're a better show for it, I think, much better. I mean, your number's don't lie. Yeah, and I think that's it. You don't need to do that stuff. And times have changed and people have grown with our show and they feel like they know us now and they're listening because they like the realness of it and they like that it can go anywhere. I don't know. I just feel like different things work for us as we grow older. Yeah. You can't be in your 40s 
doing shock jock stuff all the time. You, there's got to you've got to have more to you than just that, and that's where Howard has been so great. He still does a little bit of the shock, but. He's just entertaining to listen to. You, you, he could talk about his weekend and how he went out to a restaurant and didn't get recognised and he was pissed off about that. And that's great. That that kind of banter is what you want to hear from Telling Howard. You, I, I told Kyle this, I think, last time or time before I came in. I'm like, mate, Howard got 10 more years out of starting to talk about what happened at his therapist's office. Go. Yeah. yeah. Go. You would be blown away. Oh, I know. What will I know, come out. right? The, it would be the, <laughs> Kyle in therapy. He'd never leave. It would be amazing. Oh, there's so much, so much to open there, <laughs> but it's all locked inside at the moment. Let's go back to Gladstone. Yeah, <laughs> see what, yeah. See what happened, happened there. I know. Uh, what, do you, what do you think it is that uh, for industry people, like you and Kyle and the team pulled off, like in Survivor would call it a blindside. Oh, yeah. And it, it was, was the blindside. most fucking boss move in Australian radio that, you know, I think ever um, <laughs> when you left today and, and rebranded this station and, and came here. It was just gargantuan how how that went on. What do you remember about the first whispers that that might happen? And the, were there clandestine meetings? Were there things in a hotel oh, room? Yeah, were there were, yeah. meeting in a car park? I remember I got a phone call from Kyle. So this is towards the end of our contract at Today FM. In radio, you don't leave negotiations till November when your contract is expiring in December. Everyone in radio knows you're negotiating at least six months out because it takes sometimes a long time to get there. So the fact that no one had come to us with a contract by, I think, October – spoke volumes to us. Now, whether that meant you didn't care for us anymore or whether that just meant whatever, they came with a contract. But by then, there was a lot of things we had heard that had been said behind the scenes about us and how we were on our way out. And, you know, we they were still wanting to sign us. But when you hear things from people that suggest we're on our last legs – you then start to think, okay, well, what, what what do we do from here? And Kyle called me one night and said, I've got an idea. What about we go to Mix and we rebrand it as Kiss? And I was like, okay. I, didn't, I was like, okay, he's, he's in one of his moods. I humoured him. Yeah, that's a great idea knowing the next day he'd just be like, oh, yeah, no, don't worry about that. And I don't know what the time frame was between that call and the next call I got. Let's say it was a month later. And then Kyle said, I've just gone in and I've told them I'm resigning. He goes, we're going to mix, babe. And I said, I was furious because I said, Kyle, I broke down in tears. I said, I've just signed a mortgage (laughs) and I have not spoken to one person at Mix. I don't know what's going on. Do they even want us or is this a figment of your imagination? Do they want a rebrand to kiss? That's a big deal. Like a station rebrand, as you know, is a very expensive thing. And so I was petrified and it gave me no choice. I had to resign as well because what I'm, I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to do a show without Kyle. And um, he said, don't worry, I'll organise a meeting with them next week. And at this stage, you know, we obviously can't say anything to Today FM. And we meet at the uh, Stanford in the city. There's like a little boardroom in there you can rent out. So it was the first time I met with, the CEO, uh, Kieran and Duncan Campbell, who were the, like the 
the decision makers here. And yeah, they gave us our word that, you know, this was going to be the contract. This was how much was going to be offered. And we shook on it. And I, I was shitting myself. I really was. It was too much for me. I don't like this kind of drama, Osha. I like to just have like a night. Yes, we're, we're, we're happy. We're safe. But thank God for Kyle because he makes these big moves. You know, he, he would be great in Survivor. He really would. Um, he makes big moves and he does it for self-preservation and it's worked every time. You know, he got us out from nights. Otherwise, we would have been pigeonholed in nights for the rest of our life if he didn't keep banging on about breakfast 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 and back then no one would give a night show a breakfast show so he just chips away chips away and he he makes big moves and again this one paid off for us but you know having to work for today fm knowing we were going to be going to a different station was hard for me because a couple of execs in there were questioning why why would you just resign and quit and leave radio when you two love radio so much. And I remember the content director came in one day after the show and she said, okay, I'm only going to ask you this once and once only. Are you going to mix? Because she'd heard whispers. And she goes, I want you to swear. I can't remember whose life she asked him to swear on. And he said, I swear on whatever life, I can't remember, I swear on so-and-so's life that we will not ever be on air at Mix. <laughs> because he's not he knew, telling a he's lie. He's not telling a lie. So he knew it was going to be changed to Kiss and he said, I would rather be, you know, he said, I would never want to work for Mix so I can assure you. Anyway, this particular content director went around and told everyone, I know for sure they're not going anywhere. He swore on, you know, so-and-so's life. So they were all very pleased that that was the case all the while. Kyle knew he was, yeah, he'd got them. And, uh, yeah, and then we had that last day on air. We said our goodbyes and then 10 minutes later, Mix make the announcement. And, oh, God, it was just horrible. Were you still in the building? I was. Kyle was smart enough to leave. He, as soon as the – because everyone was there with a big farewell party for us. I mean, they thought this was our last day in radio. Holy shit. So they wanted to give us a massive party and a send-off. Everyone from every floor at SCA had come up to watch our last show. Oh, and I knew 10 minutes later it was going to be announced on Mix. And Kyle said, as he came out of the studio to hundreds of people clapping, well done, guys, Kyle said, I'm just going to the loo. I'll be back in two seconds. Well, he just exited and was out of there. Me, feeling bad, felt like I should stand around and thank people. And then suddenly I look around and people all have headphones on, word spread that, oh, my God, everyone's listening to Mix. And I... Simon Greeley, our EP at the time, said, Jack, you need to get out of here. And as I was walking out of the building, they were ripping down our posters. They were furious and it was the worst. I hate I hate things like that. I hate confrontation. I hate feeling guilty. I hate feeling like I've screwed someone over. So it was... It was a hectic day that day. Oh, cannot, that is the most unbelievable story <laughs> that you were still in there and they're ripping down your post. I know. I could just imagine like people's beep, beep, people looking down at their phones and looking at you and looking back at their phone and looking at you. That's exactly what was happening. And I was at my desk going, yeah, sorry, that's true. And I, I felt terrible because I owe SCA a lot 
I know we've had our differences and yes, our best negotiations have been the ones where the CEOs have gone, look, we want you and this is a fair offer and it has been a fair offer. And we're like, cool, let's shake on that. That's great. Don't make us feel like you don't want us anymore because it's unnecessary. I don't respond to that very well. So yeah, there was a part of me that felt really bad about what had happened and I'll always be thankful to SCA for the career they have given me. But at the same time, you know, anyone in our position would have done the same thing. <laughs> I know that room so well. I know the people you were describing that were in that room. Yeah. I know the posters. Well, I just I remember. Just I remember the, the whole, whole content because um, our, our desk was here and it was literally across from all of the exec content group, like the music director, the yeah, content director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember looking over and just seeing all of them put their headphones on and the look on their faces and I just was like, oh, no. Did you ever set foot in the building again? Never. Right. Never. Wow. Can you imagine? No. I think it'd be like they'd have the bell. Shame! <laughs> be throwing food and shit and mud at me. <laughs> I still don't think I'm welcome back, Osha. I look honestly, Jackie. Even it was, though I do know people there, it's yeah. such. It's a small industry. There's like probably less than a thousand people in the whole country that work in radio. Yeah. To be honest, when you think about it. Yeah. Look, um, a lot of them have moved on now, so there yeah. shouldn't be this animosity anymore but anyway it, look that's yeah. what, thank you for sharing that story because that's <laughs> like i know that you know there's i don't know there's probably like six people who are nerdy industry people who are like, just gonna love that you just told that yeah, story yeah. and i'm one of them uh yeah the the thing with kyle saying about i swear we will never <laughs> be heard on mix to me was like so psychopathic slash genius i was like i would never have thought to word it like that but you, you 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 did it. You weren't lying. I'll give you that. That is so magnificent. Yeah. Uh, this takes this job. This is a lot of volume. Like it's a it's your life is yeah. this job. It is a lot, 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 lot. When you then consider doing something like the Masked Singer, which were and I was just doing I was doing promo for it all morning, and people were asking about. It. I'm like, no, that were fourteen hour days. Yeah, you know, like, massive and hectic too, because we've got mm. twelve super famous people who are, have super famous people schedules. Yeah, plus the guessing panel. Yeah, plus all the crew and like. Bear in mind that like people like our director, there's only a few people in the country that can do what our director does. And so you have to – Yeah. So managing to find time where everyone could be in the same space at mm-hmm. the same time mm. meant that we were shooting back to back to back to back to back to back. Big it was. Days, big I, days. I, I almost had a meltdown in the lead up to it. Shit, they were tough days for you because I would get to go home and go to bed. I'm looking at you like your alarm goes off in four hours. Yeah. I Yeah. I think for me the lead up to it was worse than what actually – so in the lead up I – it was too overwhelming that schedule when I looked at that schedule on paper and could see that we were working till 11.30 midnight and then I was waking up again the next day at four and doing that back to back. I didn't and I wasn't feeling so great at the time and I just thought I won't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then it started and I loved it so much. I don't think any of us could have imagined how much we in, would have enjoyed this show. And I loved it so much and loved working with everyone. We had such a good crew and I, I, I was running on adrenaline and it didn't actually affect me that much. It really was doable and I don't know how. And I look back at that time going, how did I fit all that in? I have no idea. And it was real. My, my one thing I was really worried about and it was kind of making me quite teary in the lead up to it was, am I going to miss out 
of three weeks of my daughter and that really still gets me teared up now. And it was so good because I thought, let's see if she likes it. If she comes on set one day, I'm going to bring her in early and just see. And thank God she loved it and wanted to be there as much as she could. So that that made it easier for me because I just knew she was after school hanging out on set and then every weekend, a lot of the time she was there. So that made it easier as well. You're absolutely right. It, they were monster days, but uh, sorry, they were big days. I monster because monsters one of the yeah, characters. Yeah. Uh, they were big days, but just such a fun, fun oh, show so to be a part fun. of, and preposterous, and just it's completely so, bonkers, so bonkers, but so entertaining and fun and lighthearted. And that guessing part is what what really pulls you in, because. Everyone likes to think they know. Who. And what was wild is that you and Danny Minogue, you yeah. were kind of like in this this battle. Yes, yeah. To see who could, yeah, guess. Like you know, you mentioned that you were up to three in the morning uh, yeah. working in your radio days. Did you really get off air with us and then go home and not go to bed? Yes. Googling Wikipedia and yes. checking Instagrams. Yeah, I absolutely did. That's not a lie. That's how full on. This, that's how much this show took over my life because I would get off and be like freaking hell, who is the monster? How can I not have cracked this by now? And so I was Googling every, you get obsessive, ridiculously obsessive. And knowing I had to get up the next day and film and record and do the radio show, I didn't care. I was still Googling. It was just really addictive. So yeah. And Danny was just as bad, if not worse. And we were, yeah, WhatsApping each other quite a bit with ideas. And so we were competitive, but also helping each other yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I, I enjoyed the most is watching the four of you. And I real I, I thought like, to be honest, standing on stage next to people oh, yeah, that I, I probably knew yes. was completely wild. That yeah. was really, really – you were quite a fair way away from them. I was I know. touching them. I feel like you might have known before we did and cracked a few before we did. There was – on the very first day, there were two that I knew by the way they touched me. And this is a thing that blew my mind. The very first day when I walked out, right, I'm standing backstage in a rehearsal. They're all in the costumes. I'm just in my civvies, right? And I feel someone grab my ass. Yeah. Yeah. I feel someone like tag a like solid handful. Or guy. F- solid handful of ass. Yeah. I'm like, I know who that is. No. And I turn around and I'm not going to say. Can I, can I ask which mask it was? I, I turn around. Yep. And I'm like, holy fuck. You knew? You're here. Straight away. I could tell by the way this person touched my ass. I'm like, there's, I know who that is. And I turn around expecting to see this person. And I see instead I see this costume. And you're like, Cut oh. to so many shows later when the head comes off, I'm like, boom! You were right. You were right. Wow. Yep. That's and that really blew my mind because then I'm straight away like, is there something that I don't realise about how we as humans recognise each other? We think it's just the face. We think it's the voice. But no. No. There's it's a vibe. There's an energy. Yes. Um, there was another one. Yes. Who the moment they walk down on stage because some of these masks they can't really see very well. Yep. So there's a few times you would have seen me. I have to hold their hand and, yep. and show them around. There was another one. As soon as this person touched my hand, inside a glove, mind you, yep. as soon as this person touched my hand, my brain went, that's that person. I was the same with a particular one. And it as soon as I saw him take his first move, I was like, I know, I know you. 
I know yeah. you because I recognise that. And people would think, how could you recognise it just based on a little walk or something? But I, I and I, it's not like I'm besties with that person. I don't really know them no. that well, but I just knew who it was. Isn't that extraordinary? That yeah. so much. And I really hope that people see that when they watch the show. I hope they also don't feel so inhibited by, well, how am I ever going to guess this? No, you oh, know. No, yeah, you'll there's, know. There's there's ones you'll be absolutely sure of and you might be proved wrong like yeah. I was. I was so sure about a couple of them. Did you find it hard because um, I certainly did I, my confirmation bias kicked in so hard like I wanted to say Bob Hawke because yeah, Bob you Hawke's wanna, dead. Yeah. Right? I wanted to be Bob Hawke so every clue I would try to jam to into Bob. it. Yes, yes. And then after a while after a couple of shows I'm like oh it can't be. It can't be. It's not like these clues aren't working anymore. Bob Hawke's not a woman. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? No, no. Uh, it's it's funny because it, the clues you are given, you can amazingly make them fit to. They're like star signs. You go, yeah, that's yes, right. Yeah, you can make them fit to about eight different celebrities yeah. where they fit perfectly with yeah. all eight of them. So once you find a fit with one particular celebrity, your blinkers are on and you're like, no, that's it. I know who it is now. And yeah. that's where I went wrong on one in particular who I won't say. And I was so sure that I didn't even open my mind up for it being anybody else and was then completely blown away as to who it was. And I wished I had have not had the blinkers on so much. And I think it's, it's little nuances like that, I feel, that will give people such joy when they watch this show. Yeah. I think it's more fun, actually, to not figure them all out. Yeah. I preferred it when I didn't know. It's the best. Because the surprise is what's so well, great. Some of those, when some of those masks came off, my oh, phone, I, I was just like, I cannot believe. Well, I just can't believe there was a few in there that, like, actually did the show. Because you know what I mean by a couple of them. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm so impressed that yeah. you've done this. Yeah. Because you don't do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I liked about uh, some of them. And I think people are really – and what I also love about it is that it's just – it's the purest form of any kind of storytelling is, let's say, it's important that we find out what's inside that box. Mm-hmm. And then the story is us going on an adventure to find out what's inside that box. Yeah. At the very start of the show, we've all decided it's important that we find out who's behind these masks. Yeah. Let's go on adventure. Yeah. And so even people like uh, of your daughter's age are like, she wouldn't really know. Well, she doesn't know hardly. That's why I was thinking she won't get into this because she's not really invested in the celebrity world yet. For her, there's a mm. few celebrities she knows. But I was surprised at who she thought it was. You know, there's YouTubers in their mm. world and Nickelodeon stars. And mm. in her mind, she's like, oh, no, it's definitely that person from Glee. Or Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it is surprising how all ages actually do, you know, get addicted to the guessing side of it. And I think that's what will be the, the killer. You know, and, and someone asked me this yesterday, you know, it's it's tricky. And, and similarly, and I remember there was a great uh, broadcaster that taught me actually how to operate the desk and everything. Her name was Claire Blake. And she, I, I remember I did a shitty break one time and, and she went, once it's up the stick, it's gone. Don't yeah. worry about it. Nothing else you can do about it. Yeah. It's over. Yep. And so similarly, I don't program. I don't do promos. I don't do marketing. I don't decide what the logos look like. I mm-hmm. don't order the bus companies to put the stickers on the side of the buses. I do my job, my job, and that's it. Yeah. I'd like to think that we did a, we did the very best we could in that studio. Yeah, we did do the best we could. And I think yep. we gave it our all. Freaking great show. I saw yep. the first couple of segments of it last night. I, sw- I told you this on the when we were shooting it. People are going to be so blown away when they see you because they might have an idea of what you are and what you're capable of. When they watch you on camera, you just light up. And the authority of which you speak is the thing that really defines what really? I love. Yes, Jackie. Oh, my God. You will be I'm surprised. Almost, I'm just like, I'm 
I hate watching myself on screen. Hunt, I don't even know if I can bring myself you, to you watch will, me. You just watch. This I, is the start of something even more massive for you because people are not aware of the capabilities that you have and you are going to show them. Because oh God, you speak so with nice. such authority and you speak with such definitiveness, and and that's the, the it's great. I'm so excited. I told you when we were shooting, I'm I like know people you are going to fucking fall always, over because yeah, you you're such a boss on this. Aww. And I saw I saw last night in front of a cinema full of people. I'm like, see, I told you, like it's going to be great. Oh, thanks. So Sasha. I just hope we go to season two because so I had I, such because, a good time making season we one. Did I know? Wouldn't it be a shame if we didn't all get to work together again? Because we did actually have so much fun and all got along so it was well. Wild fun. Yeah, it was hectic um, to go in such a short period of time, but it was great. Yeah. What happened to you the night we went out? Where what happened then? What night you went out? Did we go there was a night where we went to the Star Casino, was it? No, I didn't get invited. Oh no. There's a group chat that I'm not a part of. It wasn't a group chat, actually. It really wasn't. It was uh, Lindsay uh, had just said, oh, let's go um, and grab a drink. And then we had um, our finale green room party, which you've missed out on because for good reason, your wife was in labour. So we never got to go out. And I feel like that was one thing Danny and Lindsay said is if we go to a season two, they're going to come a week or two earlier. Uh, So we can all actually hang out because the schedule was so crazy and hectic when we were filming that we never got to do anything outside of it. Bear in mind though, I'm I'm as a – nine and a half year long sober person things like we're gonna go to the star after a shoot yeah uh, with Lindsay is me vanishing after I say I'll do a sandalands I'll just go to the toilet and then I you'll just tend not to be around it's just easier it's just easy for not for me not to be at things like that right as a non-drinker as a not see I yeah. don't that's I really admire you doing that because I do think it would be really difficult to go out in those situations. And, look, I'm not someone who parties. And when I go out, I'll have, like, a champagne or two and then I go home. But I at least if I'm going out, I know I can have that and still have, like, a good time. And I feel like if I – do you ever feel like you can go to parties and have the most awesome time sober? Yeah. Which sounds like a really – Pathetic question oh, no, no, from I, my I end. Can. No, I can if it, if I know people. Like if I'm yeah. going to somewhere like the Star, which is very public. If I'm standing in a room with you and yep. Danny Minogue and Liz Lowen and Dave Hughes, there's yep. a high possibility that there's going to be people that will want to come over and say hello and yep. want photos and grabbing and things like that. And like that's the kind of thing that I'm like, oh, no, no. that's what I would use. I would insulate myself from that with alcohol. Um, uh, it's not well, the you, you don't you, you the interactions with, with the, the strangers is the thing that I can't deal with. Why? I just, I've got diagnosed with social phobia. I'm like oh. terrified of people I don't know. So it's really tough, especially, oh. you know, in so those. So you like an environment that's just, just more the controlled. people you know like in a controlled, controlled I'm I'm yeah. a little bit like that too. I agree because, yeah, yeah I, I much prefer just hanging out in a green room just with the people oh, yeah. we know. Yes. Than going out to a club, I can't see the last time. I, well, yeah. Also, because I can't. The other thing is, I can't hear very well. So when I go yeah, to a, a room yeah. where there's lots of noise, I actually can't hear conversations. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm so the I'm same not, as I'm well. I'm not drinking, yeah. and I'm standing. People going, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it sucks. <laughs> I can't hear anything that anyone's saying. I'm not drinking. 
I'm just going to go home and yeah. watch Mindhunter on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds like a better option to me anyway. <laughs> also, my favourite club these days is is Club Med featuring DJ Pillow and MC Blanky. Uh, club Bed. Sorry, Club, club bed. bed with DJ the Pillow the and best. MC Blanky. I'm going to have to – because you. this is now officially – we're now into late night um, with <laughs> yeah. you. You've got to go and get on with your day. I'm, I'm so grateful that you made time for this. I've wanted to have you on this show for so long. Oh, thanks, Osha. I really appreciate you doing this with me. It's been fun and like like I said, I've enjoyed working with you so much. I've known you for many years. It's been a long time. Um, but I've never, apart from when you filled in for Kyle, I've never actually worked with you in this capacity. No. And I, I know I was probably up your ass a bit too much, but I would often text you and just go, <laughs> wow, you've blown my mind like how crazy good you are in this role and how you belong in this environment, well, like on a stage, yeah. doing that as live TV. It's all I've ever done. That's my thing. Yeah. That's that's the thing I do. That yeah. is, that's and the thing I do. You're brilliant at it and I tell anyone and everyone <laughs> that will listen how so impressive you I'm, are. You're I'm very, very professional. I'm very lucky to do it and um, – yeah, yeah, it's it's, a, fun. it's it's great fun. It was great fun working with you guys, and uh, yeah, shit, man. I hope we get to do a second one. So do um, I. But I don't know how they're gonna go to turn it around because now they're gonna have to reinvent the whole thing, especially how they who they pick. You mean and, celebrities? And, how they're gonna and keep the clues? A lid on it? They're gonna have to redo the clues because now people know the rhythm and how what to look yes, for. Yes, that's and like, true. It's gonna get harder. As yeah, you once go we've on. once we've showed them how the game works the first time, we'll have to change yeah. it up. But that's all a part of it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I feel like if you did a season two, it would be uh, next level. You know in what? Terms I reckon this, this is gonna this is gonna everything. run a while. I reckon this will run a while. I got a good yeah. feeling about it. Well, you would know more than me. You're you're the you're the man in TV. I got a, I've got a good feeling about it. Uh, I got a good. I got watching the reaction of the people last night. That's good. I've got a good feeling about it, especially in episode one, where I'm not going to say who one of the singers yep. name checks one of the guessing panel in the middle of a song. Yes, yes. Which makes everyone on the guessing panel go, "Hang on a second. Yeah, that I know this person. Yeah, what is happening now? The bar the Lines are blurring. I don't know what's up. Yeah. Um, that that feeling you yeah. get when you're like, this could be could be anyone. anyone. Could be anyone. Could be anyone I know. It could be an enemy. Could be an ex. Could be a friend. Could be a friend. That could all be the same person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you're the best. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sasha. Unreal. Thanks for having me. Best ever. That was Jackie O. You can find her on Instagram at Jackie O underscore official. And every morning, Kiss FM in Sydney. And tonight on Network 10, The Marked Singer, 7.30. We debut tonight. It's going to be killer. Thank you so much to everyone that helped me make this show. Thank you much to Andy Ma, my audio producer, Rachel Barrett, my uh, show producer, the Kyle and Jackie O team who worked very hard to make sure that Jackie and I had a studio to work in, Toe Hider for making all the music today, you for listening because you're awesome, and I'll see you tonight. 7.30 p.m. Network 10 and affiliates win and Southern Cross and whatever. It, I don't know. Does that network still exist? Probably. But wherever you watch The Bachelor show, that's where we'll be. 7.30 tonight. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. If you need me through the week, send us your email at gmail.com. Until we speak next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.